0: is Drew and this is the owl once was lost podcast. Of course we are the partner podcast for the owl once was lost missing persons phone tool for iOS and Android. if you have children, family, elderly parents, anybody at all that could get, just become lost for any reason whatsoever. this this is a must-have. It's a free app that, God forbid, the worst ever happens, somebody goes missing or even even abducted. I mean, these things happen, uh, that you have something uh, there that you can use immediately in real time to have people in your area searching uh, way before, you know, obviously you'd want to contact the police as well, and I'd do that first, but it could take time for them to get uh, search teams together or to get anybody out, any detectives out searching. Or they might have specific laws in in your state that prohibit them from doing something immediately. And you might have to wait a day, two days. Who knows? So the point is, this is free. You can upload the information. We're growing each and every day. And that's what we do this podcast for. I'm not a professional voiceover guy. We just like to bring you some stories, you know, in in between any any missing persons cases. Uh, And we do want to encourage you, if you guys have anybody that you know that's missing, to upload them to the owl app and we can also feature them here on the show. We just started asking for Patreon um, help just not too long ago on some episodes. And so I just wanted to thank, we're starting to get some people that understand that, you know, this is a one man show. So is the app, which uh, is uh, built by Nick Conway after uh, an episode that he had with his own children getting lost in a store and him not being able to find them. So that's why he created this application. But I wanna thank Amy L, Bill P, Sandra M, Rita M, Sean S, Lydia R, Deborah S, Liliana P, Donna M, and Tori W for all helping out. So we only ask for $3 a month, and all of that goes to helping support the phone application. To make sure that it's always there for you anytime that you would need it day or night we're always adding uh additional features in there as well so you know 100 of it that's that's where it's going to go is to help out uh for the phone application and and also for the for the podcast to make sure that we can bring you these stories so we actually have two stories for you today the first one is on the disappearance of sydney west Sydney West was born on July 11th of 2001 to her parents Jay and Kimberly West. The family, which also includes her younger sister, lived in Pleasanton, California for the majority of Sydney's life before relocating to Chapel Hill, North Carolina in the late 2010s. Growing up, Sydney is described as being a sweet and goofy girl. He wasn't afraid to be herself and let her true colors show. Those who knew her enjoyed her company. And Her family says that she made life better for all of the people around her. She was also intelligent and well-spoken with a love of the environment, so much so that she convinced her mother to start composting. And This is attributed to her love of animals and the amount of time she spent outdoors. Volleyball was one of Sydney's passions as well, as she enjoyed living an active lifestyle, While attending Foothill High School in Pleasanton, she was known as a star member of the varsity team, and upon transferring to Chapel Hill's Carborough High School, she would become said school's varsity co-captain. She would eventually transition to playing beach volleyball in 2019 and 2020. Along with sports, Sydney was also interested in the arts. While she enjoyed writing and doing art, her favorite form of expression was music. She was known to attend open mic nights and would write, record, and perform her own music, which her father has since been uploading to SoundCloud. While Sydney might have appeared to have it all on the outside, she was known to struggle occasionally with her mental health. After graduating high school in 2019, she took a gap year where, according to blog posts written by her, she began experiencing bouts of depression on top of her anxiety. In August of 2020, Sydney moved back to California to begin classes at UC Berkeley. Her family helped her move into her dormitory, and while she had not declared a major, she showed a very strong interest in medicine, business, and biological sciences. She also joined the school's rowing team. However, according to her uncle, she was having trouble adjusting to college life, like so many of us did or do with some sources reporting that Sydney eventually moved out of her dormitory and in with some friends in the San Francisco area. On September 29th of 2020, Jay and Sydney spoke on the phone, with Jay expecting to hear from his daughter the next day. However, that call would never come. Not much is known about the day Sydney disappeared. All that investigators have shared with the public is that she was last seen at approximately 6.45 a.m. on the morning of September 30th, 2020, near Chrissy Field, which is a part of the Golden Gate National Recreation Area in San Francisco. It's known as a place where people go for outdoor activities, such as biking, running, and yoga. On the morning in question, it's said to have been an exceptionally foggy uh, day outside. On October 2nd, 2020, two days after Sydney was last seen, a family member reported her missing To the San Francisco Police Department, who prepared a missing persons report. See, that's two days, guys. This is something, again, where let's say you don't want to go to the police right away. You could at least post it to the app and have people in your area, you know, looking around and searching when they're out. It really can't hurt. That's what makes this app so incredible and so simple to use. Since Sydney was reported missing, the San Francisco Police Department has been actively searching for her across the city and Bay Area. Her information has been entered into the National Crime Information Center database, and the case is being handled by the Missing Persons section of the Special Victims Unit. They have remained tight lipped about the investigation and any potential leads they are following up on, other than to say that there, there is no evidence of foul play. They have publicly stated that they consider Sydney to be an at risk missing person given her history of depression. In order to get the word out about Sydney's disappearance, her family set up a Facebook page and an Instagram account, which they regularly update. As well, those who knew the missing girl have been spreading the word via their own social media accounts in the hope someone with information will come forward as to her whereabouts. According to those who live in the San Francisco area, there are flyers posted across the city featuring Sydney's image and description. The family has also hired a private investigator who is working alongside the san francisco police department the family is asking anyone who frequents the golden gate bridge area either on their commute to work or for physical activity to come forward with any information they may have they are particularly interested in learning if anyone saw anything suspicious on the morning sydney went missing the orange county sheriff's office which serves The Chapel Hill area in North Carolina has also reached out to local residents, asking them to inform the authorities if they've had any contact with her. The West family has held numerous vigils for Sydney, which have occurred in both North Carolina and California. At these vigils, flyers are handed out along with masks and the hashtag FindSydneyWest on them. Sydney, or Sid, S-Y-D, Sid West, went missing from the Chrissy Field area of San Francisco, California, on September 30th, 2020. She was 19 years old and was last seen wearing either black tights or black shorts, a teal hoodie and dark green and black slip-on van shoes. She is said to have had a black backpack with her for a period of time, and she may or may not have been wearing prescription glasses. At the time of her disappearance, she was tall and of slim build, standing at five foot ten. And weighing approximately 130 to 135 pounds. She has light brown hair that was either styled in a bun or a ponytail and blue eyes. Currently, the case is classified as at-risk missing person, giving Sydney's history of depression. If alive, she would still be 19 years old. Those with information regarding the case are asked to call or contact the San Francisco Police Department's tip line at 415 575 4444 or the family's private investigator at 925-705-8328 North Carolina residents are asked to contact the Orange County Sheriff's Office at 919-245-2909 and if anybody knows about this case or knows of them uh, of the family and listens to this please put you know put her up on the OWL app put the information up there um, and at least we'd have all the people that are already, and we're growing ice, like I said, each and every day. And that's thanks to, to all of you for, you know, for your word of mouth and spreading this podcast to as many people as possible, where we can really hammer home the importance of the phone app and, uh, and for also, you know, referring the, the phone app to families that, you know, it's very important. So our next case is of Kesslene Roberts. Kesseline Noel Roberts was born on uh, October 22nd of 1999 to her parents, Shannon and Eric Roberts. The pair's only child, she was better known by her nickname of Butterfly and was a center of her parents' world. The family lived in Dalton, Georgia, where Eric ran his own trucking company, Eric Roberts Trucking. Growing up, Kesseline is described as being a very good kid with a very big heart And in her later years, she would get mixed up with what her father described as the wrong crowd who introduced her to drugs. This resulted on her sometimes ending up on the wrong side of the law. And in March of 2018, she was arrested and charged with two counts of possession of marijuana, possession of tools for the commission of a crime, and use of communication facilities in drug transactions. I imagine that must be meaning online transactions and also for the possession and use of drug-related objects. Nearly two years later, in January of 2020, she was arrested and charged with the sale of methamphetamine. At the time of her disappearance in 2020, she was said to be living with her boyfriend in Chatsworth, Gordon County, Georgia. So this is very recent, guys. Um, And again, I would urge anybody that knows her to, to upload her onto the OWL Once Was Lost app. So leading up to the disappearance on January 17th of 2020, Kessling was scheduled to attend a probation meeting with the Whitfield County Sheriff's Office in relation to her 2018 charges. She failed to attend the meeting, and thus a warrant for violation of probation was issued in her name. Kessling was last seen on January 18th of 2020 at the Flying J off I-75, at 288 Rasaka Beach Boulevard in Rasaka, Murray County, Georgia. According to a press release issued by the Gordon County Sheriff's Office, officers responded to a 911 call that day in regards to a suspicious female, presumed to be Kathleen at the truck stop. It's reported that she had entered an employee-only kitchen area where she had an altercation with an employee of the attached Denny's restaurant. She hastily left before officers arrived, but had left behind her backpack, which an employee handed over to police. And inside it were her wallet, debit card, ID, some cash, and her phone charger. There are some outlets that have stated that she told witnesses that she was at the truck stop because she had arranged a meeting with an unnamed male. However, this has not been elaborated on. On January 20th, 2020, her family was searching for her when they came upon her white Toyota Corolla parked in the far corner of the back parking lot of the Flying J. I don't know why her family would have had to find that, why the police couldn't have found her in the same parking lot of the Flying J. Um, that doesn't make much sense. But anyways, they found the majority of her belongings still inside, including her purse, but could find no sign of her in the area. While Kesleen was officially reported missing with the Murray County Sheriff's Office that day, investigators would not be made aware of the vehicle's discovery until a few days later on January 29th. Initially, the case was handled jointly by both the Murray and Gordon County Sheriff's offices. As of October 2020, it has since been taken over by the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, according to the family. There was initially a rumor that Kesseline had simply been staying with her boyfriend as she was known to be living with him at the time. However, when spoken to by Eric, He revealed that he hadn't seen his girlfriend in a few days. Any phone calls to Kesseline's cell phone go straight to voicemail. It's believed she had her phone in her possession as it was not in her car nor in her backpack, but that it is either off or has run out of battery. Two days before Kesseline's disappearance on January 18th, another young person went missing from the same truck stop, 21-year-old Caleb Nathaniel Smith. After a few weeks of searching, Caleb's body was located in a marshy and wooded area in the northwestern part of Gordon County near Sugar Valley. An autopsy revealed there were no indications of any foul play with the official cause of death being classified as an overdose. This sounds very similar to the very, very first case that we did on Jeffrey Vance. If anybody hasn't uh, listened to those, it's a series of three episodes on Jeffrey Vance who went missing in Oregon and was subsequently found deceased a couple of months later. While initially there was the belief that the two cases could be connected, given the time frame and the location in which they happened, it was later determined that Kessling and Caleb were not known to each other. However, some believe they may have known the same people. Rallying around the Roberts family, the local community came together and helped launch a social media campaign to help raise awareness about the case. They also helped in organizing volunteer searches. One search, which involved four-wheelers and aerial drones, spanned approximately 100 acres around the area where Caleb's body had been found, while another was in a wooded area near the Flying J. As in March 2020, some of Kessling's clothes were found in a fern bush behind a dumpster in the parking lot. That's very strange. Anyways, uh, Eric has tried to put up missing persons flyers in the truck stop, but was told he would not be able to. I don't get that either. There has also been controversy surrounding the lack of lighting and surveillance footage outside the building. In regards to this, a change.org petition was created by a user going by the name of Lord Farquaad to try and implement a change that would require the company to install security cameras overlooking the parking lot. Its aim is 5,000 digital signatures. Eric is currently offering a $10,000 cash reward, no questions asked, for information leading to his daughter's location. In order to better fund it, he set up a GoFundMe fundraiser, which has a goal of $20,000. It is currently accepting donations. Investigators have interviewed numerous people who Kesley was known to associate with, as well as the man she is said to have been meeting at the Flying J. No information regarding these interviews has been released. There have been numerous unconfirmed sightings of Kessling or a woman matching her description by truckers across the United States. These cities include South Bend, Indiana, Dallas, Texas, and Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Eric has been very vocal about the case and consistently speaks to the public in order to help bring awareness to it. He stated that he has a very hard time believing Kessling would have disappeared on her own And feels there are people out there who knows what happened but aren't talking. Sounds that way to me too. And even though she had a warrant out for arrest, just leaving her bag with money her cards and everything in there just seems a little strange to me. Eric has also expressed concern regarding how the police, in particular, the Murray County Sheriff's Office, have handled the investigation. He claims that Detective Eric White is not doing all he can to find his daughter stating that the sheriff's office has not made an effort to obtain security footage from the flying J or check Kessling's phone records. He also shared that he provided the detective with a list of possible persons of interest and other information, but feels the leads are not being investigated. Eric's fears are also shared by those on social media who feel investigators aren't taking the case seriously due to Kessling's criminal record. In celebration of Kesseline's 21st birthday, the family held a candlelight vigil at the 11th Avenue Baptist Church in Dalton. Eric created the Missing Kesseline Roberts Facebook page where he posts updates about the investigation and pleads with the public to come forward with any information they may have. Kesseline Noel Roberts was last seen at the Flying J truck stop off I-75 in Resaca, Murray County, Georgia on January 18, 2020. She was 20 years old, and what she was last seen wearing is unknown at this time. At the time of her disappearance, she stood at five foot six and weighed approximately 125 pounds. She has blonde hair and blue eyes and has a tattoo of a sea turtle on her lower right arm. Her ears are gauged and have holes, are large, which are large enough to be noticed with the spacers removed. So, those are those really big uh, earrings that sit inside the uh, earlobes. Those would be pretty conspicuous. Currently, the case is classified as a missing persons investigation, and if alive, she would be 21 years old. Those with information regarding the case are asked to contact the Murray County Sheriff's Office at 706-695-4592 or the Gordon County Sheriff's Office at 706-629-1244. Tips can also be called into Eric Roberts directly at 706 706- two two six zero zero six nine. So that's going to finish it up for this week, guys. Uh, And again, please hit the five stars. If you enjoy the stories that we bring for you, these are obviously all uh, in real time as we get them. We're also backing uh, the website that has the repository of information there and all of these different uh, stories on missing persons, murders, and bank robberies, just about everything Uh, that you can, but it has very recent cases. So both of these should be up on the OWL app. If anybody knows Kesleen, please do this. Uh, If we don't see anybody upload these two cases here shortly, I'll I'll probably upload them myself so that we have them on the app. So again, please uh, refer this to all of your friends and family members, and we'll get with you next week for another story. Thanks, guys.